Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, first and foremost, I want to start by thanking Coach Mickey Joseph. And I'll tell you, Mickey Joseph and our staff and our players did an outstanding job. You know, many of you here... Uh, recognized uh, nine games ago when we made a change and Mickey Joseph was the head coach. Uh, Mickey did an outstanding job. I had a lot of respect for Coach Joseph prior to him becoming our interim coach. I have more respect for him now. The way that he worked, continue working, doing the right things, fighting hard for these young men and investing in them was really something. And to see them have that moment against Iowa was really, really special. So really, really proud of Coach Joseph and his staff and our players, and I want to thank them. I want to thank Julie, Brian, Vivi, and Leona. Thank you guys so much for allowing your husband and your father to become the head coach at the University of Nebraska. You're going to love this place. Husker Nation is going to love you, and we're going to support you and your family. So thank you for believing in us, and thanking you. I want to thank you for being Huskers. I will do my utmost best to respect the tradition, respect that honor. And I hope that you guys will trust me to take us to another place, take us into the future, because it, it can happen. And as Trev said, the time is now. The time is now. And it's not really just about me, it's really about all of us, because we have to be all in. If you want to see something fail, have a bunch of people stand around and wait to see it fail. If you want to see something succeed, everybody, even when you disagree, just move ahead and push ahead. It's going to take everybody, everybody who bleeds red to get the Nebraska Cornhuskers to where they were, they were supposed to be. But we will do it, but we'll have to do it together. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Well, Trev said he didn't want to win the press conference, but we kind of won the press conference, and I'm pretty impressed. Welcome to Nebraska, Coach Rule. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I don't know if Trev won the press conference, but Coach Rule definitely won the <laughs> press conference. Uh, also with Boomer. Well, you get, you know, Matt Rule to Nebraska, you get Luke Fickle to to Wisconsin, and then you get the tragic comedy of Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze. So looking forward to watching that explode. <laughs> the next Good job, Auburn. It's a perfect fit all the way around. Yeah, in, in a darkly horrible way, yes. But good work. Uh, also with Redcast Rob. Well, you know, Coach said today that, you know, it's not always about, you know, building the team, but building relationships with people and you know, I'm glad that he said that because I've been trying to tell you guys this about us for a really long time. And, you know, these are some great relationships that we're building here, you know, so and the quality of the product, it just keeps getting better. You know, Rob, what makes a relationship building easier is winning. And that is what I hope the Redcast will see 
uh, under coach rule, right, Honky? I mean, uh, you took that all in today, uh, the whole event, and the Redcast has been through some lean times <laughs> as as a show. But I am optimistic that we are finally got the guy in in place to change that. What do you think? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Hashtag winning. Uh, that's what we need, <laughs> and uh, and. <laughs> And today was a start. It's it's just a press conference. We've we've gone through press conference before before on the Redcast, but uh, it was a good start at the very least, and uh, and hopefully it leads to a lot of those wins. Absolutely, Honky. Before we take a deep dive, should we uh, acknowledge our sponsors? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, of course, we're uh, associated with the Herdat Network and Hail Varsity. So if you want to go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, use Redcast at the checkout, and you get ten percent off. Uh, Alumni Hall, two Lincoln locations, downtown 1120 P Street and South Point Pavilions, just to the south, kind of behind Barnes & Noble. We have the photo of it there. We really want to push people down to the south one. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, definitely do. Uh, it's a great location there. Uh, and then Smack and Smooch, custom shirts, specialty items, Shane and Lord out there in Elwood. Uh, you can find them on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, all of our cool Go Big Redcast stuff, you can go uh, purchase that from there if you want. So, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But yeah, Dave, uh, it's a it's a new era here. Uh, took the photo of this, and uh, they had the uh, the screens on this morning as I was driving onto campus. The uh, Matt Rule on the big screen, and uh, the the off season has officially begun with a new era of Husker football. Welcome to Nebraska, Coach Rule. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's been a heck of a weekend. You know, we, we um, did start to see the. The rural chatter pickup last week, um, and in reality, sounds like um, as Trev was describing today that um, Matt Rule was, um, you know, target one A, I believe is what he described him. And I've heard various different um, descriptions that you know, you know, Rule was really one of the absolute very first folks that he uh, looked into. And I think there's a lot that went into that. I mean, Trev mentioned that analytics played a part of this. You know, they mm-hmm. used the data to try to identify the right coaching. Uh, candidates and then I'm sure vetted um, uh, thoroughly. Did he say 13 different people he talked well, he, to? Not necessarily as candidates. But, can- he spoke right. to 13 different coaches. Now I doubt they were right. candidates, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's like that's like right. calling references, right? Like for, you know, for a job interview. <laughs> yeah. That's that's all that's it right. That's right. But, uh, you know, Honky, um, I've listened to a lot of sports radio today. I'm sure most of you did. And obviously listened to the press conference. Um, I mean, heck, even Governor like Jim Pillen was on one of the shows. I was like, wow. He's just like talking like a normal guy. He's other things he probably should be focused on, but everybody's excited about the new coach. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I was just listening to Chris Schmidt on Hell Varsity radio before we got on the show. And he had Paul Meyerberg on the USA today guy. He was one of the very early national guys that had, even really before there was any real connective tissue between Nebraska and rule. He just said, this is a great fit. And it seems like Meyerberg has written several stories about rules tenure, at both temple and Baylor really admires them and just felt like, wow, this is, and Paul Meyerberg, someone who has been covering college football for a long time and is from our 
generation or a little bit older that remembers Nebraska in the eighties and nineties very <laughs> fondly. And is like, that's the right fit. Right. And so like, as the week broke down and, you know, Boomer, I mean, you were the first one on our text read like fickle to Wisconsin. It was like, Whoa. But I think as you heard today, I think, Trev and, and Matt Rule seem so well aligned that I really I, I believe that that was uh, Trev Albert's choice from the get go. Boomer, yeah, I would think so because uh, they talked so much about how important that alignment is and having everyone working together towards that same end goal. Whether it's not just one athletic director decide to let the coach do whatever they want, it's more that the entire department is now going in the same direction from, you know, the athletic director, the regents, the college president, the coach, they all have a vision. They're all sharing that same vision and they're all working to make that happen. You know, he's going to put a staff together. That's going to share that vision. You're already kind of seeing that fall into place. And, you know, they're sure there were other names that you could hire out there, but I think we've tried that so many times in the past where we're just hiring a coach for whatever reason, which doesn't make sense with, you know, the department that we have, other the players that we have, the staff we have, whatever it is. And this seems to be the first time we've actually tried to bring all this together in, in, in a <laughs> culture that makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy yeah. stuff. I, mean, you know, yeah. I even heard um, Ted Carter w- was talking about how he actually first met Matt Rule. Uh, Rob, uh, when he was at Navy, obviously at the Academy and they were playing temple in the, in the, I guess that'd be the, um, which would boomer, which conference would that have been at the time at the AAC? Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. AAC. Yeah. And, and they actually played in the, in the championship game, I think. And, um, and temple stomped on them. And I mean, I think. Ted Carter had a lot of, um, you know, things, really positive things to say about Matt, Matt Rule from that, um, you know, early interaction almost a, a decade ago. Yeah, it, it seems like I don't even know how to put this without because I'm not trying to crap on any of the, Drink the rule aid, Rob. It's all right. No, and it's not even about drinking the rule. aid. It, it seems like rule has the respect of his peers which is something that it never felt like Frost really had that in the Big Ten, right? Like nobody was afraid of Frost, right? He came into that first press conference, said the Big Ten was going to have to catch up with him. Uh, and I think and every single person just put a target right there on, on him from that minute. And, I mean, guys just wanted to take it to him no matter what, right? Like every single game it felt like um, we were getting the best out of teams. I mean, even Northwestern, for Christ's sake, this year, the only game they won all year was against us in the first game of the season. Yeah. And it was almost like their Iowa game, you know, for our Iowa game, right? Like where we're just like, oh, we'll just be happy just to beat this one team this year, you know, felt that way. So yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because it just seems like the way he approached it today felt like there was – an actual focus and a plan in place. And you could almost see him visualizing it there on the stage. And it, it felt really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, hockey, I mean, I think rules reputation is a, a program builder, right. Um, and I think that is what Trev was looking for. And um, I think the, you know, the respect that Rob is referring to um, for coach rule uh, from his peers is that he has taken both Temple and Baylor in both difficult situations and, and done great things with them. Yeah, I mean, this tweet of the week here is all about that, Dave. It's it's program builder, it's developer. Uh, how many times, in fact, that tweet here from Huskers a couple days ago was development, 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 and they showed a whole bunch of different statistics here of, uh, of things that, that he did at Baylor and at Temple. And to your point there, it hasn't always been immediately pretty, and I guess maybe that's one of the things that 
Uh, is is Rob pumps Kool-Aid over the offseason? I'm sure I'll be a part of that too. We also pull back a little bit and go, this isn't necessarily a quick fix, or, or at least Rule hasn't shown that it's been a quick fix at either of his two spots. Completely yep. different scenarios. Um, it's very important for people to understand what he took over at Baylor compared to what he's taking over here. I mean, that was a, a mess well, on the roster. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that was a mess on and off the field. But even with that mess, he took it over and within – one year, you know, the first year they won what one or two games. Second year they get to a bowl game, and by the third year they're winning double-digit games. I mean, I think from a development standpoint, that's what we're kind of hoping for. We're hoping for something to be a little quicker than that. We don't want to have to go through that one win or two win season next year. But uh, uh, but he definitely he develops players. He has uh, he has multiple. What's interesting is he has multiple schemes. It seems like he can do. He has multiple staffs yeah. that he's worked with. It's not like he just has one staff of guys. These are the guys that come with me everywhere I go. He's had different people at different places. And then he, you know, he said when he was at Temple, I'd get under center and we had fullbacks and it was old school. And then we get to Baylor and it was more spread. And, and, you know, he can switch it up from where he goes and even talk about maybe wanting to run a little option when he gets here. So he said a lot of things that will make a lot of people uh, happy today. Again, I think he won the, the press conference and we'll see how much that stuff comes true. Uh, I did see a, a quote there from a Vegas Jair who uh, I didn't see that, but he, he mentioned that sip said that Carter even saved the deal that president Carter did. And so I think that was interesting. Um, the, the alignment between all the leadership and we've talked about leadership in the past. I can remember saying it back in the day when we had moose and all that, but this, I will say this feels really good right now from Carter on down to Albert's. Uh, they seem to be lockstep with each other, even Pillin, a former Husker at governor. Every, everyone in leadership, we've got some uh, we've got some ownership over this program right now. From the highest offer, office <laughs> in the state. <laughs> the, well, and, you know, and the, the funny Rook thing is, paid quite a bit more than him. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no kidding. You know, the funny thing is when when this whole process started, one of the first names was Aranda. And we would talk about Aranda being the guy because it just there's connections, right? He had connections to Joseph and Bush and. And I remember yeah. us saying at the time, everyone's got connections. There's just connections all over the place. That's what football is. It's just one big fraternity. And it, yep. I never would have put two and two together with Carter and and uh, Rule going back to his Navy and Temple days. That never would have. And the second he said that, yeah. I was like, you know what? That's just that's what happens in these coaching searches is just connections just come out of the woodwork. And it's like, oh, yeah, this guy knows this guy knows this guy. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully, you know, this time it works out, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Eichhorst really liked Mike Riley because he interviewed him, you know, as an associate AD one time, and he just immediately went to him, right? But mm -hmm. a little bit different. Oh, we lost Dave there, so. Uh, I just want to make sure Redcasters know I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing to do with that one. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a little bit different this time around with uh, uh, – with, uh, Carter and, and Albert's working, you know, to get uh, rule in here versus when uh, Icors was brought in. But uh, I think we're getting Dave back on. And I just hey. like stopped StreamYard entirely, guys. I apologize. No. Um, I, I just want you to know, Dave, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> sure, Rob. Thanks for kicking me off. Dave. We, we covered it up. I don't think anyone noticed. Yeah. yeah well, anyway, we'll, we'll get around to the staff a little bit here. Uh, but, uh, Honky, did you had, I think you had a tweet about the, um, the salary, correct? Yeah, right here. And so uh, this started to come out here tonight. Uh, so what? It, it's a total of seventy-two or seventy-four million. But the start date is the 
through the end of 2023 is five and a half million. And then it goes up by a million each year, 2024, 25, 26, all the way up to 8.5 million. And then 2027, it jumps to 10 million. 2028, it jumps to 11.5. 2029, it jumps to 12 million. And then it's an eight year deal. So the last year of it, 2030, it goes up to 12.5. But you had mentioned this, Dave, as you were looking at that. I mean, what does that tell you as you look at those first three or four years? Um, yeah. We're kind of getting a deal. I'm no mathematician or data analyst, <laughs> but it appears that the 24 through 26 are the years that Carolina would still be obligated to pay some of Matt Rule's uh, salary. Um, I think going into our contract, it was going to be up to 34 million. They're not going to have to pay all of that, um, but we are getting a bit of a discount, especially these first couple of years, first really four years, I guess, um, until he gets the, the 2027 when he gets the full 10 million. So, Boomer, I don't know if you had a chance to look at that any closer, but it seems like that's how it shakes out. No, it seems like that. Again, I haven't seen an official announcement or anything on if Carolina is footing some of that bill or not. But I'm sure that was part of the negotiation and contract that has to be ironed yep. out and, you know, make sure all it, the you know, market value and all that. And, yeah, I'm sure they had some input. Yeah, it's really intriguing. I mean, you want to think of a positive spin, Honky. We don't have this confirmed yet. But, I mean, reality is Luke Fickle is just a, share, a hair under $8 million a year for seven years at Wisconsin. But that's a consistent $8 million a year. Um, and if he wins, he is going to you know, get raises. Now, that, that could happen um, with, with rule. But his raises are built into that eight-year contract practically, right? I mean, that presumes that he's going to be successful enough to, to stay because he's getting a million and a half raise every year. Um, and we do get um, – we're getting rule for five and a half million in year one and six and a half mm -hmm. in year two, which should, in the going rate of um, power five head coaches – that's that's a bargain. Mark Stoops is getting almost nine million. Mel Tucker's nine and a half. I mean, it goes on and on, right? So, yeah. Well, I guess we're we're benefiting a little bit from dead money there. Uh, you know, at the same time that we'll be adding some dead money here. With obviously, I don't see Whipple coming back, so that's yep. nine hundred some thousand next year that we'd be paying off, and we'd be paying some coaches not to be here. But I mean, this is kind of the price of business anymore. This is what happens when coaches and staffs are gone, and you're hiring new ones. So, uh, I, I'm it definitely puts us in the top 10 nationally with what we'll be paying our coach. Uh, in addition to that, and I don't know if it was on this tweet or was it another one? No, it's actually, it's this one here. Um, the wrapping up in Lincoln, eight years, 74 million from Matt rule, a $7 million assistant coaching pool. That's, and this is from Mitch Sherman. That's top 10 compensation for the new Nebraska coach and his staff. Uh, I guess just to even throw a couple of names out here, here's some other ones that reports indicate that uh, Knighton, and Campbell. So who's that? That's Corey Campbell and Terrence, and Terrence Knighton. Knighton. Yep. Yeah. D-line coach Terrence Knighton, assistant strength coach Corey Campbell. Uh, they would be leaving the Panthers to join uh, rules staff here. And then also that cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper. And so where's Cooper at right now? I'm, I'm not sure if I saw that. He cornerback and, and recruiting coordinator Evan Cooper will join rules staff at Nebraska. And there's even this from inside Nebraska, uh, former Panthers, D.C. Phil Still, Texas A&M D-line coach Elijah Robinson, and a pair of new strength and conditioning coaches uh, that they are also right now uh, at least being rumored as coming here. So I don't know who's all signed yet. A lot of this is moving pieces. But right before we went online, we saw something about Ed Foley, a special teams coach, uh, being rumored as coming here too. So obviously this is week one, <laughs> day one. So there's going yep. to be a lot of moving pieces here in the next few days as Rule starts to put his staff together. 
Yeah, and he also um, has Marcus Satterfield, right, lined up mm-hmm. as the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, Boomer, we've always been talking about hiring elite coaching staffs, and I, I think he's doing a good job to start. Uh, you know, Marcus Satterfield is an interesting hire, and it, it's it's interesting. Honky, I think you mentioned this. I mean, Rule has had different coaching staffs through both tenures, uh, in college as well as Carolina. Some people come, some people go. Satterfield, someone who actually was with him at Temple as the offensive coordinator, um, was successful enough there to actually get a, a head coaching job at Tennessee Tech, I believe, if I, I read that right. Yes, Tennessee Tech. And I think Satterfield's from Tennessee, so there must have been some draw there. Didn't achieve um, success there as a head coach and then resurfaced back on rural staff as a tight ends coach. Um uh, maybe the last year of a rural tenure there and then on to, to Carolina, but then he got hired at South Carolina under Shane Beamer and has had, you know, middling success there as an offensive coordinator. Obviously the last two weeks have been very good, but uh, I think what I, I take from that is, you know, I think rural could have hired other uh, OCs that he's had. Glenn Thomas is at Arizona state and he's going to be looking for a job. Um, and he could have looked elsewhere, but he really wanted um, Satterfield, apparently. And um, more than anything, um, you know, if rule, it's, it's rules staff. And if he's going to want to run the football, he's going to tell Marcus Satterfield to run the football. So I, I, I don't know what to put much into the, the South Carolina numbers. Yeah. And Boomer, this is, I mean, here, I, I put some of these numbers together just to, Give an idea here. This is 2022 Nebraska versus South Carolina rushing stat comparison. Um, they're so close. This is one of the reasons why I, I highlight it. But NU ran for 1,480 yards this season. South Carolina, 1,479. So one yard difference. So Nebraska ran for one more. Uh, now, in, included in that, Nebraska had 33 sacks for negative 247 yards. Uh, South Carolina had 27 sacks for 172 yards. They averaged 3.5 yards a carry, or we averaged 3.5 yards a carry. They averaged 3.8. Our long run was 60. Their long run was 52. We had 17 touchdowns. They had 27 touchdowns. Um, so similar stats, you know, uh, there's a couple spots that are a little bit better than us, and we were a little bit better than them and a couple others. But uh, for run the damn ball guy, you're not going to walk away from looking at South Carolina and just be blown away. In fact, the big, the two big games they had here at the end against Tennessee – and uh, and Clemson Rattler really went off, and they threw the ball a lot, and he and he threw it very effectively for what it's worth. Um, but again, uh, I think that this is different scenarios than what they have out there, and I think Rule touched on that today, and everything from fit to wanting to do what's going to work well here climactically, and and you need to be able to have a run a run game, and you got to be able to win the lines of scrimmage. I mean, he echoed so many times what Travis said that uh, I, I get the feeling that I wouldn't pay too much showed thinking that they'd be any indicator of what we would be doing here uh in the future but uh it's again it's it's a good day i i was ecstatic to to finally get a chance to just see uh rule uh even be i guess in the same photo with him i'm not i'm not (laughs) matt rule i look like him i think that was just photoshop I mean, <laughs> yeah, here, here's the here's yeah, the photo. This is if you believe unless unless you're a fake news person and think everything is photoshopped here. Uh, there is a photo here of me uh, and Coach Rule in the same photo. We can we can find his put family. It there. That's his wife and wife yep. and uh, son and daughter right there. Actually. Yep. Yep. They were yeah. all and they, they already had the restraining order. <laughs> 
there was a, a cute photo that he posted that that coach rule posted of the the kids in the elevator going up to like the press box and the photo of matt rule kind of yelling his mouth wide open and uh and his little one of his daughters is sitting there and she's making the same face that he is it was it <laughs> kind of had that little family moment to it and uh you know and trev did a great job we're gonna get to some of the the audio here some of the videos of the of the presser but uh, trev did a great job at the beginning just welcoming you know, their family, the whole rural family to Nebraska. So, and that is something we talked about during these last 70 days was that Trev needed to vet whoever it was we were going to get. It has to be the right fit. And you've got to make sure that the the family's on board and everything. There there can't be any We excuses. did. We really called that. You're right. It feels like Trev, it feels like he had 70 days to do this. And it feels like he used every second of every, every day to make sure that uh, he talked to everyone he could. It was professionally done. I was impressed with you, Dave, the other morning. Uh, I give you sometimes I give you guff for being, you know, Mister Negativity or something. But you're like, no, you you'll give, you know, you give positive credit and everything where it's due. And you were like, this was done well, and you were impressed. And it was, it was really a well done, um, you know, job search from from start to finish by by Trev. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think they took their time and found the right guy, and then closed the deal. Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, that wasn't easy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and, and um, I think where I drive you crazy sometimes is I'm and this is where I'm trying to get better, Dave, is not to turn around now and go. We won. Yeah, you know, we had a really good day today. This was a we did win the press conference, but yeah, the work it only starts now. The work starts today and uh, we didn't win. We're still uh, a four and eight team trying to get to a first bowl game in, in six seasons. So. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah and i mean we're hopeful that it doesn't take a complete uh rebuild um having to go one and 11 at baylor for example but to your point different circumstances um feels like you know there's definitely uh some wins on next year's schedule the matter of just how how many can we get can we get to six or, or more and then kind of just go from there right so it's going to be interesting to see well let's uh, take a deeper dive into the the press conference and um hear more about what matt rule is all about Mm-hmm. Well, let's start here with, with Trev then. And Trev, he started out the, the presser really by just going over the vision. And it basically repeats the the things that he talked about when he fired Frost in the first place. But that, you know, we're going to be a developmental program. We're going to do toughness and, and identity. And that was part of these last 73, 75 days or whatever it was, where he said, we're going to spend time to, to build that vision. So I'm guessing he had parts of this vision at that time, but he wanted to make sure he clearly identified it. And so that first part of it is development. I just want to tell you a little bit about our vision. It's real simple to me. The University of Nebraska always has been and always will be the premier development program in the country. That's our DNA. That's who we are. For those of you who drove up, you saw the Go Big project. You can see the investment of our donors into that. That's the brick and mortar behind the greatest development program in college football. That was going to be really important to me as we look for our next head coach. The Go Big Project. I'm going to, for you, we did this when we did the, the live Hale Varsity uh, show at the Hale Varsity Club. I'm going to run this in the background just so people watching it can see what this is that, that Trev is talking about. But maybe, Dave, I'll start with you. Just as you hear what he's talking about there, that we're going to be the premier developmental program in the country, and you hear that, I mean, what were some of the thoughts that went through your head? Well, it makes me think that, you know, almost how we um, one of the most winningest programs of all time, but have not been winning over the last six years in particular, but and not to the same rate in the last two decades. Um, we're not the premier development program right now, but I think mm-hmm. his 
vision is to return us back to that. And that's exactly what we need to do because we were. Mm -hmm. I mean, Boomer, you're looking at these, uh, this video here and it's you know showing all of the, the $165 million project that's going up. Uh, you know, what does it take to get us back to being that greatest developmental program in the country? Well, I mean, things like this certainly help, uh, but everyone's got money these days. Everyone has nice facilities. How we see what Northwestern's doing to, you know, mm -hmm. get facilities and you know do all the improvements that they're spending, something like almost a billion dollars. So you go uh, one in eleven. Is, yeah, yeah. to go one in eleven, and never mind the one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, again, it it takes more than than just fancy facilities because everyone has those. It does take a coach and a staff who's dedicated to it to finding the players who are willing to put in that kind of work too. Because it's it's a it's a two way street here. You know the the common refrain. I think I think even Rule mentioned this is that you know players don't want to work hard nowadays. They'll transfer. You know or they can you know with the portal and things like that. Well, you need to identify those kinds of players that are willing to work hard, and are willing to, especially in tough scenarios like this. I mean Rule kind of has a reputation of being a no nonsense type coach, and I expect the staff's going to be the same way. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find those players that are able to take that kind of direction and make a lot out of it. So I think that the recruiting and if it's going to be huge, just identifying players that can take that kind of direction and will improve. So because not all of them will. Rob, what was your, uh, your thoughts as you heard Trev talking about development? Well, one thing that I know that they did here today and people have, you know, that I've heard from a few different people is, you know, they're going to be going in and their strength and conditioning coach. Um, they, he brought in his new guy already. That was one of the first hires that he made. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of the strength and conditioning team are, are gone. Um, I heard that their offices were cleaned out today and, and, uh, and those guys, you know, they were thanked for their service and everything, but you know, they're, they're going to be starting from scratch. And, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about, I think on Saturday a little bit when I was saying that, you know, I'm curious cause I'd heard a lot of the pundits talking about like body types and development and what, you know, the mm -hmm. difference between seeing Ohio state get off the plane or get off the bus walking up and seeing Nebraska players get off the bus. Right. It was like a night and day kind of difference as far as their physique went. So it'll be really interesting to see how some of these players are developing. I heard, um, you know, Benning talking today about, you know, some of the guys that would be returning for from the offensive line. Right. Like and, and the development that they could go through and, and included our friend Kevin Williams and, and Prohaska and a couple other guys. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how those guys develop and, and get stronger throughout the offseason. And then he also touched on, you know, the defensive line. That's going to be an area where we're going to have to do a lot of rebuilding this year. You know, regard, there's no other way to put it. Mm. And so it'll be really interesting to me to see the type of guys that they bring in, they start to bring in to back those players up, you know, because we're going to need next man up. People are going to get injured. It's just inevitable. So as far as like development and all that, I think these facilities opening up, um, when when are they supposed to open again? Was it March? It'll be next summer. Like, so, I mean, it'll, it'll be before the next season starts. Yeah, uh, yeah before the next the off season, season starts. And, and, you know, and they already have phenomenal facilities. Let's not, let's not like, you know, we, we were in there just, they're a just getting better ago, yeah. and, and they're just mm -hmm. getting even better. I mean, they have those, they had those cameras on the weightlifting racks where, oh, they, yeah, where guys could like type in a number and it tells them, okay, you're lifting this weight too quickly. So you should probably go up five pounds. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, they, like it's, it just breaks down everything for them and it's only going to get better, which is incredibly like insane if you ask me like i wish i had that at the gym for myself you know like, <laughs> what a selling point what a selling point that trev had at his fingertips as he's going and talking to other coaches around the country and i'm i'm also interested 
to hear more from Rule uh, over time what he thinks about Trev because we we said this back when we had Bill Moose <laughs> and we wanted a football guy hiring a football guy, right? I mean, that was important to us back in 2017. Well, here you you really get the feeling of what Trev is as a football guy. Like Rule talked about how he he almost they were on the phone talking and it was just like he wanted to just sit there and just talk football with like football, with Trev yeah. all day and you get that sense that you know Trev sometimes it's got to be tough to be an athletic director because you got to you got to go back in put the suit on and and let your coaches coach but I think Trev would love to just get in there and break down film just with the rest of them so he might um, yeah he, he might but so his second part so his first part of the vision was development uh next up is toughness secondly a focus on toughness if there's anything this program's been about the last 30, 40 years is this is a program that's based on toughness. And so I was looking for coaches who understood what toughness looked like, what practice looked like, and ultimately getting back to the vision of being the most physical team on the field on Saturday. That's Nebraska football. That's Husker athletics. And toughness was a key component of what our vision was going to be. Okay, Dave, this is where I'm starting to lose my stuff a little bit watching it. I'm like, oh. I'm getting excited, <laughs> eh, Hunk? I'm getting excited. You're, you're starting to talk to me here. Okay, we, yeah, you know, okay, develop, develop, schmelop, whatever. But but toughness, ooh, yeah, we're going to start hitting, right? You know, we practice. It's an attitude, yeah. He, he threw practice out. He said it. He said the word. that That's important. And uh, I don't know. So, again, he wanted to find a coach that aligned with what his vision of toughness was. And what does that tell you? that rule aligns with Trev when it comes to toughness. I mean, I think they're perfectly aligned. It seems like, <laughs> because if you listen to some of rural stuff on YouTube about, you know, um, winning in the trenches and, and establishing the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and, and, and how to do that is having tough practices and tough kids. And I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like they're, they're speaking from the same pulpit. Yeah. It's almost like rule came to Nebraska and played her. I know he's a, he's a Penn state guy, which, Right there, yeah. there's there's some of your alignment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, to your point, there, Hawk, though, playing for a blue blood and coaching for a blue blood, there's something to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he gets what this means. Well, mm-hmm. and and what was he when he played at Penn State? He he talked about it today, too. He a was linebacker. A, and he was a walk-on. Walk-on and, linebacker. And, you know, that's a huge part of our culture here at Nebraska. And, and I think that, you know, he understands what it means. And I think – you know, one of the things that we continue to, to beat on all season long and even in the preseason last year was just being able to get that line of kids that were there. I mean, even Osborne talked about it last summer when we had him on about how important it was to have those kids there because they were the ones pushing all of the scholarship players uh, to be better because he wasn't afraid to play those kids, you know, and I hope that you know and 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 rule seems to be the guy who understands what that means i mean just mm-hmm. from that experience alone so well part of all this then number three the, the third part of the vision that that trev is has brought to to surface here over the last two and a half months is identity and having a clear identity third and finally was a clearly defined identity it's something that i really believe in we're going to believe in something and we're going to dive into it and we're going to play complementary football and I believe that's what Coach Matt believes as well. He'll get a chance to tell you about his vision. A clearly identified or clearly a clearly identifiable identity, basically. And I think when I think defined of that identity, defined yeah. identity, define it. What is it that you do? What is it that you're gonna do well, no matter who you're playing, when you're playing? And what I think of that is offensively, 
I've said this before. It's the difference between having the philosophy of I'm going to take what the defense gives me or we're going to have something that we hang our hat on. I, I've always been of the approach, hang your hat on something. Even if it doesn't work, you're still going to come out, and this is this is what we do well. We're going to force you to stop what we do. And and really, a lot of that is a there's a physical mindset behind that. But this idea that we'll come out each week and do something different to, to take advantage of what you're giving us, well, you got to be good enough to do it first off. You know, there's a lot of times defenses yeah. will give you whatever they – yeah, fine, go ahead, throw it 100 times on us if you've got some terrible quarterback. But we want you to do that. What do you want to come out and be on, on, on day one? And, you know, there's a, been a real, oh gosh, I, I don't know what the a renaissance, so to speak, of physical football that I'm starting to see happen over the last three, four, five years at multiple levels. Anyone that watched Philadelphia last night on Sunday night run for 300 plus yards, their quarterback ran for over 100 yards in the first uh, quarter. And this is in the NFL. You know, and yeah. uh, for, for all the people, you can't run Casey Thompson. You can't do this. You know, you can't run your quarterback, can't get them hurt. That's the the number one team in the NFL right now with a quarterback running for 100 yards in the first quarter alone. Look at what Michigan's done to reestablish dominance against Ohio State. And there was a great article. I, I think I sent you guys a clip of it. It was from the, the Athletic. And it was just basically them saying, look, we'll never match Ohio State man for man, talent wise in, in all in all elements of it. But what we can do is we can line up against them and and do something different that no one else is doing because everyone's lining up to prepare against spread teams right now. That's not there's nothing unique about that. Michigan goes out and says, okay, we're going to figure out how to basically create a, a you know an old fashioned line bulldoze you, you know run blocking you know getting under center all those things and teams are going up against Michigan going, geez, we don't see this very often. This is hard to yeah. prepare for. What does that sound like? What did it? What is that? That's that's like 90s Huskers all over again where teams are like, yeah, we're not used to seeing option. It was tough to prepare for this team. So anyways, that's a long-winded way of saying I, I like the identity concept and, and creating a clear one. I guess, Dave, to start with that, what from an identity standpoint and creating one, I mean, what, is, what does that look like to you? What do you think Trev is, is, is hoping to see with that, that clear identity? Yeah, well, I mean, I would just – dial it back even a little bit further. Just, I'm just, a, I want to acknowledge here that, I mean, in this press conference, Trev has laid out his vision for Nebraska football. Um, and, and it's a pretty clear vision of what he wants to see on the field. We should be able to, to evaluate Matt rules tenure here on whether he can achieve those, those three pillars of that vision. And um, that, that is that's like how you set up a business, right? This is a business plan of how you're going to go about running Nebraska football, and now you have to go execute it. That's the key mm -hmm. here. But, I mean, it's important to get everybody going in the same direction. Matt Rule said that multiple times. And if you don't have a clear vision that people can buy into, it's really hard to do, right? So the, that, the, we've got the step one right. Now we got to get going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boomer. Boomer. Identity. Do you have an? Do you have a preference? Is there an identity that you want to you want to see with with Nebraska football uh, moving forward? Well, I, you know, I'd referenced it a couple shows ago. How you know I thought Michigan would be a good model for us. You know, just because they kind of do the things you've always talked about that we need to do the, the toughness, the and the quality line play, and it really showed in that game against Ohio State. You know, by the end of that game, they were dominating the lines, and it's and. Ohio State's always going to have better talent than probably everyone else in this division. And they didn't do any good. I mean, by the end of the game, they lost. I mean, it shows where, you know, if you have an identity on that, 
and you're committed to it and you work towards it, what it can accomplish. It's just a great example of that. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I want to see out of the, the next few years is how can they better the line play at Nebraska? Because that's been the thing that's held this team back this year. I think everyone would agree. It's just, yeah, particularly on the offensive line, but even, you know, the defense had a slow start too. So I think that's where you begin, and that's how you win the Big Ten in, in most cases is through line play. And I want to see that develop, mm-hmm. see that focused on, and see it get better is, is what we need to see. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great identity for the conference. And whatever you choose to run after that, you can make it work if you've got, if you've got good line play. So, mm-hmm. Well, uh one of the things that we mentioned online here today during the presser was that uh, they, they won it. They did a really good job across the board with how they presented everything today. And the first person right away that Trev talked about and acknowledged was Mickey Joseph and thanked him for, for doing a great job and that he had more respect for him now than he had uh, before, even if that's possible, but that he just really respected the job that Mickey did. Uh, I think some tough decisions are going to be made over the next couple of days, not, not only by Nebraska, but by Mickey. Uh, there's rumors of him in Tulsa and other job openings. He's a talented coach. I'm sure there, there's going to be opportunities for him, but um, I want to at least play here. And then Rob, I'll get your thoughts after this. Uh, I want to play what rule uh, responded to a question about Mickey. And I thought rule just knocked this out of the park, but uh, listen to this and then uh, we'll discuss. I, I reached out to Mickey right when I got the job. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to talking to him at some point here and talking to the rest of the staff. You know, I've been on both sides of it. You know, I, I've, I've been an assistant coach on a staff that's been let go, and, and, I, and I've always appreciated the coach coming in and talking to me. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll try to be thorough with that process over the next couple of days. The most important things to me right now are the current players. Um, I need to sit down with them and talk to them, right? Like, they know – they know the issues in the program more than anyone else, good and bad. I say issues, I mean like good things. Hey, this is great. Hey, so I need to talk to the players and, they did, and I need to talk to the staff and coaches. And, you know, to me, it all comes down to fit. You know, people have to want to be here, number one. They have to want to be in the role that they're in. And, um, you know, we have to all move forward. Again, when I've not had success, it's when, you know, some people are pulling in one direction. There will be a very clear vision, a very clear process for how we do things within the walls of the football program. And um, you know, within the X's and O's, and so uh, any staff member that's that's bought into that, I'd love to talk to him. And I agree; I think Mickey did a fantastic job. And I've known Coach Joseph uh, for a while before that, not, not personally, but professionally. Excellent recruiter; players love him. So I'm anxious to have a chance to visit with him and the rest of the staff. Rob, what are your thoughts when you listen to that? I mean, I guess you know, as as Trev would say, he checked all the boxes. Um, you know, and, and acknowledging Mickey like that, I mean, I think we can all agree and we've discussed it to no end that, that keeping Mickey around would be a very big part of this of, of this program moving forward. Um, we know what his recruiting is like. We know his connections to Nebraska and the program. But, you know, if he, like but like Matt said, if he doesn't want to be here or if he has other aspirations now that he's kind of gotten a taste of what it's like to be a big, you know, like a big 10 coach or even a coach in a power five program, you know, there's no reason why he shouldn't try and pursue that opportunity. Right. I mean, that's, that's something that he should be able to do, but I also feel like, you know, rule is saying like, Hey, look, I'm giving this guy every chance to stick around and stay if he wants to. And I really hope that Mickey does because I'm selfish and, you know, (laughs) I really enjoy having him around. Um, You know, every, it seems like every time that we go 
um, to or that I come to Nebraska and we go on campus, it seems like we run into him, which I mean, even this last time I saw him walking around the building when we were there. I mean, and it was like it just felt like, you know, that guy's everywhere. And and he's always walking around with a recruit or, you know, or a family of a recruit. And and it just it means a lot, I think, to the program to have somebody like that around. Yeah, and, he's very he's very present. I mean, I was DMing back and forth with a, a, the high school uh, coach here last night who said that, you know, Mickey had been at their place four times in the last four months or more times in the last four months than Frost had in, in four years. And he wasn't even trying to call out Frost. He was just saying that's how much, how present Mickey is. Yeah. Um, and Mickey is, I, I love the guy. I mean, let me, I want to start this discussion with the, on the basis. That I just, I, I think the world of him, but I think I've also been wrong in the, in the recent past and saying that it's, it's crucial that he is here. And that's because in my head, I'm, I'm thinking of, of what a big role he can play roster-wise, recruiting-wise, with helping in the transition. The reality, though, is the human element of this is that he's he's now been able to sniff what it's like to be a head coach. And maybe maybe he wanted to be a head coach three months ago. Maybe he didn't. We've heard all the, the varying rumors, right? But now that he's had that chance, I thought that he he really excelled in the role. I think he he seemed to enjoy it. He's not necessarily an X's and O's coordinator guy. I think he really is that that CEO kind of guy. And that could be a tough transition for him to fall back into a position coach. It could be not saying it is me. Gosh, I hope this, I hope this podcast comes out tomorrow and we're hearing that Mickey's our, you know, our new coach of whatever position doesn't even matter to me. Um, but the reality is, is that um, we, we can only have one head coach and, and there can't be fractures in the, the locker room. There can't be guys that want this guy or that guy. I mean, we have one head coach moving forward and uh, and as Rule said there, you know, if if people want to be here, he's interested in talking with them. And so um, I, I hope, gosh, I, I hope that it can work out, but it's got to work out. Dave, yeah. did you have any thoughts towards that? Yeah, I think you, you laid it out really well there. It sounds like there's an opportunity for this to work. Um, and it seemed like Rule was very open to that. Um, Mickey staying on staff. Um and, you know, we've heard things, oh, they're trying to restructure the contract, you know, get him more money, all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you know, even a, a high pay, paid assistant is, you know, you know, maybe a low one million, especially if you're not a coordinator. Um, and so that that'd be a reasonable number to, to give Mickey Joseph. But is that more than the head coach at, at Tulsa or UNLV or some other group of five school that wants to take a shot on a guy who has uh, really great recruiting ties? And there's been other programs that have taken a, a, a flyer on that where you're like, hey, let's let's hire someone who can bring some talent in here. And, um, you know, he can assemble staff around him to utilize that talent. Maybe, maybe they see Mickey Joseph as that guy. Boy, if, if one of the Louisiana jobs, one of the directional Louisianas, oh. you know, ULM, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Monroe or whatever, he would just kill it down there. So I what get about it. I get what about Jackson's? What about Jackson State? Do you think if if I mean, I'm not you wanted to, but I don't know. I don't know about that one. I mean, he's I know that's not recruiting, D1, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll see where Dion ends up, right? But yeah. um point is is that I, I think he could do it. Um, I think he has proven that he has some some chops to be the head coach and maybe in a few more years he's you know out of out of power five spot himself. Um, but at the same time, you know, um if if Nebraska's is calling, he's like, Boy, I really like being here, I enjoy being here. Um 
he is such a valuable asset to this program. I think he'd be worth the uh, seven-figure uh, salary. It's just a matter of if it's going to work out. So. Well, we've always said this in the past. Anytime our, we've lost coaching staffs in the past from from uh, some of these changes, yeah, you kind of know where the – I hate to say it this way, but you know where the, the great coaches go and the, and the not-so-great coaches go, right? I mean, where they end up says a lot. Yeah. And um, I think we had some good coaches on the staff, and I think we'll see a couple of these. I mean, Mickey – Mickey could go to a lot of power fives as in any yep. position. And as a head yeah. coach, I think, you know, yeah, if it's a group of five or whatever, that's one thing. I'm also, I'm a huge Bill Bush guy and, and I've been that way for as long as we've been doing this show. Um, he's another guy I'd love to see stick around in any capacity, but um, if he, if he doesn't, I mean, I, he'd be a guy that you would, you look at his, his record and his resume. I mean, he's been at, at big time programs and that's where I'd expect to see him as we're talking about opportunities though. What I really found fascinating today was when Rule talked about some of the other opportunities that he would have had during this. And and while he didn't need this job, but he wanted to come to Nebraska. So listen to this. So I'll say this humbly and only for recruiting because normally I wouldn't say this, but I was offered other jobs, yes. And um, I, you know, I, I just decided that uh, this was the right one um, for me. So you know, I had the chance to be sitting here. I had the chance to you know, I had some opportunities to do some TV and some broadcasting. Was offered, you know, some other college opportunities. Um, so but, but I only say that to say how special this is. That you know, we didn't say, "Hey, we better go take this job." We uh, we felt like this was a really special place with really special people, great alignment, great resources, and then a fan, a fan base unlike any other. You know, I can't wait to bring recruits to games and let them see uh, what a game in Memorial Field looks like, Memorial Stadium looks like. You listen to that. And all I could think of as I was hearing him say that live was Trev has elevated the program, the level of the program throughout this entire process, him handling this process. Well, and we've seen bad coaching searches in the past. It hurt the status of the program when we would send planes down to Fayetteville and they'd come back empty. It hurt the status when we would see coaches that clearly turned us down and we get million dollar bonuses and, and raises right afterwards. That hurt the stature of this proud blue blood program. And so when Trev goes out there and really handles this like a pro for 75 days and nobody knew anything, but that's kind of the way it needed to be. And he handled it the way he did. And then you hear rule come in here and say, yeah, I could have gone places. I didn't need this. I could be on the golf course making as much money as I am basically, you know, coaching, yep. but this was that special. Um, you know, Dave, I mean, what does that mean? <laughs> How does that make you feel as a Husker fan hearing that? Yeah, well, it makes me feel good, you know. And again, I I, I can be critical at times, but mm -hmm. um, seeing the level of professionalism that's been exhibited here um, from both Trev and from from Matt Rule is refreshing, and and what I've wanted to see from my football program in, in a long time. Um, on the funner mm -hmm. side, you know, uh, Boomer, I I, I think I, I heard so Matt Rule actually visited Trev, got him in here, uh, like incognito right undercover and actually saw the town and all sorts <laughs> of stuff yeah. i mean that's impressive how huh? that'd be a uh quite a an well maybe everybody spotting like matt rule at arby's or runs there or high v was true maybe it was, it was just happened to be yeah. honky yeah, actually, yeah it was actually you know? me. Or it could have been <laughs> him. yeah, yeah so. they sent me out to carolina to walk around and fill a space back there so yep, uh, yes, yeah so, so yeah, nobody yeah, knew he was gone yep so no it was a well-done uh, search and you know like you said dave the professionalism of it is nice to kind of get some stature back you know after the last couple of administrations 
they'd either seen the a wall or just trying to drive things off a cliff you know depending on which ad we're talking about and Yep. You know, I, I think we'll feel safe, you know, when we go into like the Big Ten, you know, media days next year. It's not going to open with just stunned silence, mm-hmm. you know, when our head coach is up there speaking. He'll actually have something to say and it'll actually be, you know, at least worth listening to. It may not be earth shattering, but it'll be good and it'll be polished and it'll present yeah. everything in a good positive light to start off the season. So, and that's something we've lacked for quite a while, really. So. You know, I, that's, a, that's an excellent point, Boomer, because, and, and Dave, called it out right away back in big 10 media days when, and and it wasn't that, you know, Hey, we're going to have a losing season because Scott Frost didn't start with an opening statement. It was just more like, why not do it? Right. And, and at that point I didn't want to hear that Dave, I didn't take that well. I was like, Oh God, you know, big deal, big deal. Well, I guess it is kind of a big deal. It, when you see these things done, run, run, right. And somebody comes out and, and they, they give what their vision is up front. I mean, it is media one oh one. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not required. We can win football games if we don't do that, but why don't we do it too? I mean, it's part of just being a a solid program all around, and um, this is this puts us on good footing on day one with rule. We started well. We didn't say anything that I think other Big Ten schools are going to be holding against us for the next ten months. In fact, there was one point. This was I thought was really cool at the moment. Um, Rule started talking about, I think it was the effort and how hard we're going to work. And he, and you know, and you could tell he's getting into it. Kind of the football coaches, he, he's getting excited. And he said something like, and we're going to work harder. And he stopped himself and he goes, we're going to, we're going to work as hard as we, you know, we're not going to work harder than anyone else. That's, you know, just because I'm here, yeah. we're not going to work harder than how Iowa works. And we're not going to lift any more than what Wisconsin does, but we're going to work as hard as we can make ourselves work. You know, we're going to push yep. ourselves to a limit. And I thought that's a great way of doing it because really the reality is what goes on within the walls of North Stadium. Once once he's there, once the whole team and the staff is together, it's not about Iowa at that point. It's not about, about Wisconsin. They're, those teams are going to be doing their work too. It, it's about yep. what do we do. And, and that's going to be the difference. And so we don't have to compare ourselves to these other teams. It's, it, it really is control what you can control. And – we're going to work as hard as we can work. And hopefully that's enough to, to be able to beat those other teams and, and get the best of them. And, and day by day, you get better to the point where, you know, the Michigan approach with, uh, with Harbaugh, you show a little bit of patience. Uh, it didn't happen right away with Harbaugh, but they kept at it. They kept at it. They kept getting better. They made some tweaks along the way. And now yep, they evolved, uh, you'd yeah. say they've, they've evolved to a point where they've, they've overtaken Ohio state. That's where I'm hoping yeah. we're going to get to. Yeah, right. I mean, there's going to be a little patience. I mean, some of uh, at times our patience may be tested on this, right? It's not going mm-hmm. to be always easy. Um, it does seem like he will really start from the ground up and build this block by block. He said day by day multiple times at the press mm-hmm. conference. So um, it's, it's going to take a little while, but um, I, I think he has the right approach. Absolutely. Well, we got two more vis- uh, videos from today, and this one here is physical offense. And, and Rob, I'll go to you after this. Uh, this is starting to get into what is what is what's his vision, what's Rules' vision for what the offense is actually going to look like. We're not going to be a new 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 spread teams, and we're not going to be like that. We're going to be a little bit more of an old school type of a team. Okay, we're going to be a physical team. You know, we'll be balanced, and and, and you guys, I know you guys will ask lots of questions. We'll always try to do what the players do well, but. But at the end of the day, I don't believe you can win if you can't win the line of scrimmage. 
We want to have fast players, explosive players. We want to have speed. We want to have great quarterback play. But at the end of the day, through the weight room and recruiting, we want to have a physical team that can control the line of scrimmage and control the game. I believe that's the type of team that can win in the elements. That's the type of team that can win on the road. That's the type of team that can have a lead and keep a lead. That's the type of team that Nebraskans want to see. The kind of team that can win in the elements, that can win on the road, that can get a lead and keep a lead and win the games. Rob, when you hear that kind of offense, what's that get you thinking? A team that can play on the East Coast, a team that can play right here in Nebraska. Well, they're in Nebraska. Team mm-hmm. that can play pretty soon on the West Coast, too. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, yeah. is this guy going to be starting a church by any chance? Because <laughs> I, I, I might actually preach your son. You can I tell, right? Consider religion here if, if uh, he's going to be up there. Because, <laughs> well, they uh, say it's a religion in Nebraska, Rob. So it, it is, it has been hallelujah and amen to everything that that man just said. I, um, I, honky, I, I, I'm feeling a lot of the same way that you are, and it's probably good that we're not in the same room together i'd probably turn around and have my hand on your knee or something like i'm glad you stopped there (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know where that was going rob but i'm glad i got my god i mean you know sign me up for that kind of football because Mm. you know sometimes i watch some of these other big 10 teams and i see the way that they operate at the line of scrimmage and you know i don't want to have to like, I don't know if this is going to make 100% sense, and, and that's okay, but I don't want to have to scheme for other teams. I want other teams to have to scheme for us, and it feels like it's been the other way, you know, this whole time. And not to sound frost-like, but I'm talking about in the trenches where, like, in, in, the, old, in the old days, like, they used to be able to – the offensive line used to just be able to tell the other team, we're going to run the ball right here. And I want this team to be able to go back to that kind of football to say, we're going to run the ball right here. And this is where we're going to run it. And you're not going to stop us. Yeah. And I, I, I'd like us not to have to outthink ourselves. You know, just yeah. good execution and, and yep. things don't have to be incredibly complicated to like, be really good at what you're doing. not going to change the game plan because they line up in an odd front. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> just not going to happen. That, and, that part is definitely true. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, my God. Hold on, I'm gonna. I should go get my Kool Aid right now. <laughs> well, well, we'll finish the last part of this in the last video here, and I'll start with you, Boomer, afterwards. But and we can kind of go around the table on this. Is it's recruiting, and recruiting is important. I, I we talked about Mickey Joseph a little earlier, and we're getting done with a, a recruiting class that's you know supposed to be getting signed here just in a couple of weeks, and so recruiting's on top of everyone's mind. And Rule was asked about where he re, you know where some of his strong points of recruiting are what are some of his philosophies let's listen to this and then boomer i'll go to you um, i think my ties recruiting and our ties recruiting in texas are something that we're going to lean on i think our you, know, you look at the history of nebraska and its ties to new jersey so well obviously those are places that were pretty well known and then uh florida uh, so um, those are the distinct areas and then to me uh, you know just studying this job and taking a lot of time to study this job the in-state talent i'm excited about and then you draw that 500 mile radius, you know, making sure that uh, we have the best, you know, th- these might be a little, I want to have the best summer camps, you know, I want to have two, 3,000 kids a year coming to our camp, not just prospect camps. I want kids when they're eight, nine, 10, everyone should have a chance to be a Husker for a day. And, you know, that's how you find the, the players that go off and go to an FCS school. Like, I don't understand why I'm in the draft last year looking at first round guys at FCS schools. Like, I want them here. <laughs> I want, I, I want to find those guys. And so, uh, finding coaches that are going to – I don't need celebrity coaches who are going to go see one school a day. I need coaches that are going to go and do it the old school way, go see six, seven, eight, nine 
schools a day, speak at a clinic, call recruits. So we're going to have hardworking staff um, uh, in terms of do I have some guys lined up? There's some guys I'd like to bring with me. Uh, I want to be respectful of the staff and talk to them as well. But, uh, you know, we, we need to be able to hit the ground running here soon. Uh, you know, Boomer, I like that. Uh, everyone should have a chance to be a Husker for a day line. That was as someone that coached youth football for, you know, a number of years, uh, the, the idea of having, you know, some of those 10 and 12 and 14 year old kids getting a chance to go down there, whether they're ever going to be recruited or not is, is pretty cool. But, uh, what were your thoughts there with uh, the recruiting? Well, just initially, I think when you talked about the, he was studying the job, but it's not like he's been listening to your rants here, honky. I mean, he, he talked about, you know, <laughs> The importance of the in-state talent that we have, keeping the keeping the quality players we do have, and, and we've seen some of that, you know, just this last year, you know, with uh, Joseph and some of the other guys making better inroads into Omaha than we have in in years, um, having that, and then that 500 mile radius. I don't know how many times you've harped on that as being a a key part of how we need to establish the the identity of the program and where we need to look, and then filling it out with the popular choices, the the Texas, the Floridas, where you need to get the talent you know, in some mm. of those skill positions especially, and then New Jersey, you know, just a nice throwback to the, to the pipeline years. So no, he definitely name checked a lot of things that I think he's committed to, and he will be, you know, committed to doing that. And like you said, it's, it's going to take a staff that takes effort. You know, it's always been a, mm-hmm. a challenge of Nebraska. You do have to work hard to recruit here. They're not just going to fall into your lap like they do at other schools. You do have to look for him. And, and part of that does, you know, kind of going with the FCS. We've, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids can go to FCS schools. Now they get, they get money to go there. There's scholarships available. There's TV time and there's, there's avenues to the pros from the FCS. So that's going to take effort yeah. to do. So. Yeah. Dave, what did you think? What a unique perspective he brings having Benny pro coach sitting in the draft rooms. And he, and when he sure. mentioned that about, you know, I shouldn't be going into drafts as a pro coach and looking at FCS guys as my first round talent. He's sitting there saying, you know, basically, if I'm at Nebraska, there's no way I should ever lose a guy like that. You know, I think of Easton Stick and some of those guys that have gone up to to uh, North Dakota State, Kyle Emanuel from Skyler, guys yeah. that went to North Dakota State, and then they end up going into into the draft. Sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of his – it's interesting. I mean, like one of his calling cards at Temple and Baylor was uh, talent identification, right? I mean – it, it, we've talked about the stars thing, right? Honky, we can talk about this off season, I suppose, because I, this is really interesting. This is, this is when I, I, I heard him talking about this is like, like he can, he's believes in, in like recruiting measurables to some degree. Like I want to find fast guys. I want to find big guys. I want to find the right frame. And then we're going to develop those guys and turn the three-star guy into the NFL prospect. Right. And mm-hmm. he really believes find talent that way right and there's definitely those people right here in nebraska in our in our nearby states that that fit that mold so i think that's really really um exciting to to hear him speak in that manner the thing that's changed since he left baylor in 2019 is the transfer portal and and nil and that's where you get really excited because he also I think he's going to bring in a couple of really ace recruiters that will help balance that approach, right? We need to be a developmental program. We also want to go get some talent, right? That's where Nebraska, we've always felt that we've had a, a potential edge versus some of the other Big Ten West schools that are also development programs is that we can go get some elite talent when needed, right? And it's going to be a, a mashup there, uh, but I think he has the right mentality here to, to marry those two approaches. Well, I think that's... That sums that up well, I think. 
Well, that pretty much uh, gets us through today's presser. Uh, there's obviously going to be a lot more news coming out here next, you know, within the next week. And then, Dave, we were talking about next week's show. Uh, gosh, is that already signing day, or is that even? Or I is think that so. A couple weeks, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot going on the here. Transfer portal opens up. I can't remember. Right. I think it's Boomer. Yeah. Maybe you can look at those dates up, but it's it's coming up quick. Yeah, I mean, actually, December fifth think- or sixth is a big day. Yeah, I think it is a couple of weeks until the actual signing date, but the, it, it it's also it speaks to the importance of why Trev making this yeah. yeah Trev making this move when he did getting it in early. I mean, we're done now. We've got our coach, and he can get his staff together this week, and it just gives us a good leg up there because the reality is, as we talked about last week on the show, um, we none of us want to go one in eleven or two in ten next year, but a lot of that's going to be based on what your roster and your your early transition goes like right now you know what does the how do you get transfer portal guys in how does all that stuff happen and it's really important to get guys in here especially in a transition in january we want as many guys that are going to be playing a big role on the team next year here in january throughout the offseason throughout spring ball um it's really really important uh, that they get a good uh, a good start on this how many oh, – put that yeah, question back up there from, from Bill. That was a good one. Yeah, I'll throw it out there. Uh, December 21st is early signing uh, period this year. I think Friday coaches can go out again and start hitting the, the Dead period ends. Yeah. So you want to get that and going, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Boomer, can you look up when the transfer portal like, that's opens That's pretty up? soon too, I think, this week. If I, I think that's the Early December, let me check on that. Yeah, it is so, December 5th. To the quarterback situation, it's a good question. Yeah, so Bill asked um, how many QBs on the current roster will be here for spring ball. I think Logan has the highest shot. Dave? Boy, I don't, it's so hard to say because I don't know exactly what they're going to run, right? <laughs> I mean, if you look at Baylor and you think of Charlie uh, Charlie Brewer, you're like, well, they definitely have someone like Logan Smothers would be the right fit. But then if you look at what Satterfield's doing with Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, that's not necessarily the case. And if you know what? Um, world did at Temple, it wasn't necessarily the case, so I don't know exactly. Uh, we're gonna find out a better idea of what that offense identity is gonna be at when the quarterback situation shakes out, right? And so it could be someone on on staff because I think there's there's big arms and there's mobile quarterbacks, and yeah. you also have a very experienced one that still has one yeah, year Casey, of eligibility left. Casey has and may not with- have a lot of NFL stock right now so and he was he was at the presser there's pictures of him like at the presser hanging out up in the rafters it sounds like rule talked to a lot of the players before he actually did the press conference today and Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be surprised if casey stuck around because like you said dave he's not going anywhere because he can't transfer again he'd have to sit out a year Mm -hmm. his nfl stock is not high i mean he's not in anybody's top 10 i don't even think he's on anybody's top 20 list right now for quarterbacks and yeah you know, so it would make perfect sense for him to come back. Um, you know, and he's he is, just he is and, like twenty. I mean, can you imagine him and Rule? Yeah, and he'd have to re-enroll in a new graduate program. So yeah, yeah but he's already got can you imagine degree. him and Rule though, like like in a room together talking X's and O's based off of what we heard about Casey's studying habits and and how he's just lives and breathes football. Mm. Right. Like, I mean, for me, that would that seems like it'd be an amazing marriage right there. What, what so, I would I'll tell you what though. No matter what, I'd want a competition. And to yep. me, a competition, and this, and this didn't get asked today, but to me, when I think of a competition with quarterbacks, and this goes back to practice, it's hard to have a practice all offseason in green jerseys. And at some point, if you're truly you know, competing for, for that spot, this, this is a, 
I, I actually I would have loved to have this question asked him. How do you how do you and there will be time for him to be able to say this, but how do you determine you know who wins spots and a quarterback? You know you want to get as many live bullets yeah, going around him and toughness. Toughness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you hear all that stuff, and then if we get to spring ball and we're we're tagging off and we're in green jerseys, I would sit there at that time. You know, we should have that conversation in spring and say that doesn't align with what we what we were told. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case, but um, you know, I I would expect to see you know some real rigorous competition. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if I mean I don't know if Casey Tops will come back or not, but sure. I mean, in the Boomer's point, it'd be a second graduate degree, twenty five. But uh, if he doesn't have a lot of NFL prospects, that he wouldn't even really make a, not making a roster, and maybe he makes a, a practice squad. And, and hockey, to your point of Jalen Hurts running for 100 plus yards yesterday, um, that maybe uh, one more year here where he is a little bit more RPO um, and mm-hmm. can actually be on a winning team and throw for more yards and just improve that stock enough to maybe maybe make the justification they can get a crack at the NFL while, and this is the game changer, he's making six figures as the seventh year quarterback, <laughs> right? I mean, like, what, what other job is, is Casey going to make more money at than the Nebraska starting quarterback position? Even with two master's degrees, you know what I mean? Like, just, well, And it, let's not forget there is another kid on the on the here that nobody ever talks about because he was redshirt this year, but Torres is is, is still on this roster, and a lot of people think he could and Harburg, be the guy. And, I mean, there's, and Harburg, yeah, but Torres seems pretty, yeah. I think I think I've even heard like Sip talk about it, and you guys know how much I revere him. The you know he's kind of said like Torres is going to be the next guy in this program, and I kind of feel like maybe we might see that competition you want. So hockey, and it, it, could it be is interesting. With if you look at um, rule at Temple, he had PJ Walker, and he's at, in the NFL, um, and then he had uh, and he was there like most of those four years as PJ Walker, I think. And then um, Charlie Brewer at, at Baylor was there for most of the time. So he really, in his two stints, had one quarterback, each one that really he rode, right? You know, and he started mm-hmm. young and, and brought him up. Um, it might be different this time around. He, if you have someone who has as much experience as, as Casey Thompson or go through the, the portal um, and you could get someone with experience. But to Rob's point, if he likes what he sees on the bench with someone like Torres, you know, maybe he starts him and we may take an extra lump or two next year because of that. Right. I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. I'm kind of amazed. Charlie Brewer is still playing in college. Well, he was, you know, well, he, he was a junior. He was all three years at Baylor. And then he would have, I think he had a medical retro of some sort. Yeah, and he then he Utah, had COVID year to Liberty, and he was their starting quarterback this season, but he broke his hand. So yeah, he didn't yeah. lose any time. But yeah, I somebody, said he was still playing. somebody said in the comments, "Doctor Thompson drops back to pass." <laughs> <laughs> lots, lots of people go to school for seven oh, years. Oh, that was Boomer that said that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, that was Boomer. Okay, that's a Boomer. Doctor, Doctor, it's the Thompson twins. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Oh, uh, everybody doing. wants to rule the world. We have all these '80s references. That's oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going back to. Oh, all right, Hank. Is there anything else we need to house, need to cover? Oh, I think we covered it all for tonight. But this was a it was a fun day. A lot of good stuff. 
Yeah, By the way, absolutely. Foley was just confirmed to be joining the staff. It didn't say in what capacity, but he's done everything from special teams to O-line coach to tight ends coach to quarterback coach, everything for Rule. Um, he was even the assistant head coach and took over at Temple when Rule left. He was a head coach at Fordham for a while. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's a guy with a lot of experience. Um, picture of him, he looks a little bit older, which – it was funny because Rule said today he wanted to bring in like some young guys on staff and and do that, but you know Foley is still a very good guy, and it's probably probably he probably considers him a good advisor, I guess in 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 that mm-hmm. way. And so maybe that could be your O line. Maybe that could be your O line coach too, Dave. That that you're talking about. Maybe that's the guy. Yeah, we'll we'll find out. I don't know. Yeah. Find out. Uh, all right, hockey. Uh, I think we'll have a relatively short bet cast, but do you have uh, a parting shot you want to hit us. Well, uh, you know, I, I'll just say two things. Number one, uh, uh, Mac and I are going to be starting up a, a little spinoff, and we've been talking about this for a while. We wanted to do something where it was just Matt and Matt, and we'll only we, I don't think we'll do a whole lot of these shows, but it'll kind of be an off-season thing. And Mac, he texted me this morning. He goes, we're going to call it Matt's Rule. And, uh, <laughs> and it's so cheesy. Uh, I was like, you know what? That works. We're going to do it. So uh, our first episode, we're going to do a Matt's Rule on Wednesday like, night. And we're gonna have Dave from Husk Guys on with us there. So, uh, so uh, be looking for that. We'll send out the links and everything there uh, for Redcasters because we are getting into the off season now. So, uh, I assume Rob, you're gonna start doing lunch cast. Probably... Yeah, I'm gonna start getting into fan forums again. Rob will be doing lunch cast. I think he talked about doing a breakfast thing at some point. Who knows? I was like, um, I'm gonna take a week off here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other thing, well, and just coffee talk, it's just coffee, no big deal. And uh, the other thing was, uh, I, I just, I was thinking about this driving home at, about rule, how we've had four coaches since Solich has been fired. Two of them have been Nebraska guys. I'll call Pelini a Nebraska guy because it was one season in frost. And then you had Callahan Riley that were clearly the, the outsiders coming in. And rule at, at the very least, you have to call him an outsider. He, he hasn't been here. So if you compared him to Callahan and Riley, and you just went through today, at the very least, this doesn't feel like a stretch. It felt like a fit much different than w- when Callahan and Riley got here, where yeah. Riley had to go out of his way to talk about his couple of walk-ons that he coached at o- o- Oregon State, or you know, this is just a neat adventure. But man, the way that Rule came in and really ruled the the presser. He he ran it. He he had everyone's attention. I mean, he was in charge of it. Um, it just felt different. He felt like a fit that it it was a lot more natural than some of the other guys that we have brought in from the outside. I'll just say it that way. So whether that leads to wins or losses is going to be determined down the road. It's not determined today, but uh, I'll just say it again. I'm I couldn't be happier with the start of it. So guys. Enjoy the uh, the BetCast. I'll be watching, but uh, go Big Red. The BetCast Picks of the Week. All right, guys. Well, we are in the home stretch. Uh, we should probably check the Yahoo Pick'em here and see who's going to actually be on the show at some point. Um, but we do have the, uh, the championship week here. Um, the full regular season has been completed um i don't know if we've got the graphic up and i think rob did you hit last week is that right rob did you win oh i sure did i did i i did i picked nebraska at plus nine at plus right. ten and a half 
Yeah. So I, I nicely done. That. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I think it's actually the first time I've ever picked Nebraska on the show and they won. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I just, I, that one was, I, yeah. It just, I mean, one, I just thought it was too high of a spread, really. I didn't know if we'd actually win. You had to feel pretty good like, about it at 24 nothing. You're like, Heck. I have had 24 right. no, I mean, I knew I was going to win at that point. I mean, they should have just said, yeah. Them. I mean, my money yeah. at that point. So, <laughs> our current uh, pick'em leader is Rob Holio four two three. So, oh, that's me. Husker Brad by one. So it's very. I'm close. just kidding. It's, it's not me. His last week here. Yeah. All right, so it's going. I mean, that's going to be a tight race. Yeah, this is tight. Like. Yeah, there's there's no fooling around here. Yeah. I will obviously. So let's uh, take a look. We've got championship weekend here, um, and um, a lot of. Um, there's a makeup game. Akron Buffalo is a makeup game. That's going to be intriguing. Buffalo's trying to get uh, bowl eligible, I guess. Um, but Friday night, uh, the big game is actually uh, has playoff implications. Uh, Utah at, at USC is that playing in Vegas now, Rob? Or it they... is. It's played. I, I think it's the Pac-12 championship is played at in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, so USC three point favorites over under at sixty seven. Utah uh, was able to slip in there because the Oregon debacle against Oregon State. My goodness, Boomer, what the heck happened there? Huh? That was a nice meltdown. I haven't seen anything uh, quite like that in a while. So yeah, that was that was pretty impressive. Because how big of a lead was it they squandered? It was it was like, like thirty four to ten. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, like I think it was 30 to 10 or 24 to 3 or something like that. Yeah, and, and, and who would let a team come back almost when they were up 24 points, you know, so. <laughs> but, no, but, I mean, they they, 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 they did. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, was, they're playing just, for something. Yeah, they had I something mean, to play for. That was a debacle. Right. Iowa's trying to come back and make a, a conference title game. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oregon is up big. They look dominant, and then they just like forget their wits, and they just are just idiots at some point. They yeah. go for a fourth, yeah, fourth, fourth and down and short on what their own twenty something. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of unbelievable. I I didn't know what they were. And doing, then Oregon so. State just ran the ball. Yep. They didn't even throw to nope, make the comeback. Need, it was yep. it was entertaining, I mean, but really though, the, Dave, when the platypus is at stake, you throw the records out. I mean, anything can happen. <laughs> Yeah, and only half the stadium is full. So anybody got any inkling there? I, I think I feel kind of chalkish here. I feel like USC is probably just going to take care of business. I, think I, I so feel too. like they are yeah. too. I also it'll be interesting too, Dave, because and, and and I swear to God, I'm not doing this on purpose, but there are a lot of USC Raider fans like that cross over, right? And and the Raiders are playing San Diego this weekend in Las Vegas as well. The following on Sunday. I think there's going to be a lot of USC fans that make that trip. Like I know Utah is relatively close to, but I think there's going to be a lot of people more than usual making that trip over there because they'll be sticking around for the Raider game afterwards on Sunday. I think that there's going to be a big home field advantage for USC in that game. And I mean, minus three, I, I mean, USC has, I mean, they've got everything on the line, right at this point. So, and I think when the no, playoff, yeah. I think when the playoff yeah. thing comes out tomorrow, I think we'll see them at number four, possibly. So, you know, maybe okay, like, right. yeah. And it's so. a revenge game for them since they lost to Utah, what, by one earlier this season. You know, they always say it's and tough to beat a team in twice. In Salt Lake City, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really tough to beat a, probably team, beat a team twice when you got a, a playoff berth on the line here. So, yeah, yeah I, I would probably bet USC if I was going on, especially if you can get a three half. FanDuel's got it at minus two and a half. Did, I, did I, Caleb I Williams pretty much – like tie up. I mean, he wins this week. I mean, did he pretty much like tie up the Heisman with that I performance think he, last week? I mean, he that wins was this week. 
Yeah, yeah, a good one this week. I think would do it. I mean, Notre sure Dame's defense isn't anything to sneeze at, really. I mean, they're not the best defense in the world, but at the same time, my lord, it seemed like every time that they had him, he was looking a lot like Kyler Murray did, you know, back in the day in, in college. He throws it was on the run very and, well. Oh my god, there's some of those throws he was making were absolutely incredible. So yeah, anyway, I like USC so, this week. Yeah, all right. So Saturday morning, uh, another playoff uh, implication here. Uh, Battle of the Purples, K-State and TCU. And TCU, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Boomer, I mean, TCU's been doing it all year, right? I mean, Yeah, uh, they have. It's now, kind of right? a fascinating matchup again, um, especially I watched both of them this last week, and it's like both of them went out to prove a point and just pummeled their hapless opponents. You know, K-State's playing good. And, yeah, yeah, I mean TCU just just curb stomped uh, Iowa State in that game. I mean that was that was awful to watch. If if you have any you know Cyclone fans or in in your family, you just felt awful for them. And then K State looked pretty solid too. So I think both went out to try to make a statement going into that that final game. And uh, yeah, you know TCU has been living dangerously all year. Um, you hope they don't slip up because I wouldn't mind seeing you know some fresh teams in the playoffs like them. I, I'd hate yeah. to see them lose and get booted out for some reason. I think. Some but people are theorizing, might... Boomer, that TCU could lose this and still make it because there's no, no one else. Yeah, there's not a lot of replacements, but boy, right. I could see the committee really reaching to throw them out. You know, if they because yeah, they, they need to put in Alabama and, L- yeah. and a three loss LSU. So I mean, right, know, there aren't a whole lot of choices to replace them with, but you know, don't even give them the chance to slide. You know, an Alabama in there. You know, if TCU would go out and lose this by thirty or something like that, then sure. I can see him playing that little eye test stupid game they like to do. So I I, I don't know. I I have a tough time predicting this one because TCU has kind of played with fire a lot this season and the pressure is going to be on them, but boy, they looked, they looked good last this last weekend. And, but K-State's like the over. What about the over at 62? I think that might be a better bet. Yeah. Cause what is that about 62? I think you can get it at right now. So yeah, this is probably going to be a high scoring affair. I think it'll be a, you know, yeah, I could easily see going over on that one. Yep. I, I like that. Same, same time, Saturday morning, um, probably not going to bet on this, but the MAC championship, I just want to note, is Toledo at 9-3 and three Ohio. Tim Albin, former yeah. Nebraska assistant coach and uh, um, under Frank Silich there at Ohio for a long time, uh, may win a conference championship. Frank never got that quite done at Ohio, so I'm rooting for that, obviously. Absolutely. You have a good, solid foundation there, yeah. Yep, that's right. Uh, we got Coastal Carolina and Troy, and then uh, a little bit later on in the afternoon, LSU with a kind of a disappointing loss there versus A and M last week, uh, taking on. Yeah. Was it disappointing? Uh, uh, is that well, it was funny. I mean, yeah, it yeah. was funny. Yeah, I don't know. If disappointing is the word that I'd use, Dave. I that was. Yeah, it wasn't disappointing to them. Well, maybe to them, but to anybody else, A I mean, and M was pretty <laughs> awful up to that point. Yeah, they so weren't I, good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, AM struggled um, with UMass, and then you know, yeah, AM beats LSU, so therefore, does like UMass beat Alabama? I mean, is that kind of how that works? Trust I wonder how many, I wonder how much those players were bonused for winning that game. That's that's you know, considering <laughs> they were like the highest NIL team in the country or something. So, yeah, Georgia's gonna just kill it. Well, don't laugh, we may have their defensive line coach on our staff before you know it, Rob. So, <sighs> that's true. Um, yeah, yeah so Georgia's 17 and a half point favorites there. Uh, Fresno and Boise State square off. Boise State with a really a, a nice turnaround of the season. They were looked like a mess early, but with yeah, they started quarterback, yeah. yeah, they really did. 
Um, UCF and Tulane. This is a rematch of a game just a few weeks ago where Tulane won. So UCF gets a chance. Tulane, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Big Ten matchup. Uh, Michigan, 17-point favorites over Purdue. What do you think about that one, guys? Might be closer than that, but who knows? I mean, if Michigan has a fourth quarter like they did against Ohio State, I mean, my God, they just laid it to them in that quarter. Um, That's a tough one. Yeah, I I don't know how Michigan's going to approach that. Are they going to tear into them like like they did with uh, Ohio State? Are they going to play more like they did, you know, when they played Nebraska and just kind of, meh? Around yeah. for a half I mean, and well, there's a lot of people who think but, they should be the yeah. number one team in the playoff bracket right now. And I've heard it like driving home at night after I do my trivia on Sundays, there's always a college football. And these guys seem to think that Michigan should be the number one team for the college football playoff. And, and it'll be interesting to see, like, because, you know, they got to go out. I know they don't factor it into it, but I mean, maybe it's the eye test. They just lay it to Purdue. Cause that over under 51 and a half looks really tempting. You know, I was thinking over, of that too. And yeah. yeah, I think it depends. Do we do we expect Purdue to score anything? I guess that's the big question. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I mean, Purdue yeah. is known for pulling these wacky upsets against highly ranked teams every now and then. Depend, depends. How much does yeah. Harbaugh have on the game? Well, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> makers. You know, I mean, like last year, I was I was like, oh, Michigan's going to beat Iowa, but Iowa will probably keep it close. And it, what was it, fifty-five to three or something ridiculous? Yeah, it was yeah. Really close. Yeah. For whatever yeah. reason, we don't get the memo in the Big Ten offices that we need close conference championship games so we look more respectable. Um, and and I don't know if we got the memo yet. So you, I'm sure LSU will make uh, you know the Georgia game interesting, uh, whereas Michigan might just blow Purdue out. I don't know. We'll see. It's kind of an odd um, week. It's like the the more interesting championship games to watch are like the smaller conferences. I mean, some yeah, the Power well, Clemson, Five, North there's Carolina, nothing at stake, nice. or they're not particularly. Close, I don't think, or compelling. I mean, Rob, I got ACC games. Does anyone care who wins that? I mean, does I, mean yeah. on everything? I, I, I kind of want to see Clemson just fall on their face the last two weeks of the season, quite frankly, it, especially after a lot of people picked them to be making the college football playoff this year. Um, you know, they just South Carolina just took it to them, and and North Carolina is like I said, I we talked about them a bunch earlier in the season. I, I haven't talked about them much the last couple weeks, but they're a good team. And it'd be it'll be interesting to see kind of you know what they show up against Clemson. I mean, they're only a seven and a half point dog. Yeah, they point. lost last week too. I mean, that, that, they match up with them a lot better at eleven to one versus ten and two, uh, with potentially Clemson trying to make a case, but um, doesn't seem to be the be it be it out there. Uh, I think I we I saw a question from Kurt Payne. We'll be doing a bowl pick them. Um, I would say yes to that. We'll just have to get on top of that as soon as. The Bulls come out um, next Sunday. So, yep. all right, guys. Anything else on the podcast? No, it's a quiet week. So, all right, sounds good. Yeah, yeah well, that's what championship week is. You're winding down. Let's uh, see if I can find what I'm looking for. Here we go. Parting shots. Let's get out of here. Rob, what do you have for me? Well, as usual, just thanking everybody for coming out. Listen to us. I think at one point tonight we had almost 60 people watching. So, you know, I like to say that without them, there is no us at this point. Otherwise, we just. You do like to say that, Rob. That's true. I do. Yeah. And just remember Husker football does not build character, it reveals it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Boomer, get us out of here. Well, I just uh, would uh, note that not only was it a fun weekend to beat Iowa 
uh, in a rivalry game. You can't. I don't think anyone can deny that now. We hired a new head coach, but we also had a Nebraska ball win over an ACC team, a completely crappy ACC team, but they won. So you can't take that away from them. And even though volleyball struggled with a couple of opponents, they got actually a favorable seating in the in the volleyball tournaments. You know, they don't have to face Wisconsin or, or Minnesota, you know, or until, Texas. Yeah, or Texas until the final, you know, the finals. So there were a lot of positives of sports weekend. I know the, the regular football season ended and seemed to come really quick this year, even though it also seemed to stretch on for an eternity. You know, it's sad it's over, but there's still other things going on, a lot of positives and yeah, I should enjoy that and enjoy the off season. I think it's only what two hundred and seventy five days till the next yeah. kickoff. So yeah, start counting down, folks. So we'll see you in Minnesota. So. See you in right Minnesota, around the corner, like literally. Right, I'll guys. be in Minnesota. <laughs> That's right, Rob. Thanks for letting us know where you're going to be at um, on August twenty eighth or whatever it is. Um, uh, all right, good stuff, guys. A lot of fun doing shows when we have positive things like victories over Iowa and. New head coaches that um, seem to have their um, uh, plan in place to get this thing going in the right direction. So we have a lot more uh, wins and a lot more fun shows like this. So for now, let's call that a Go Big Red cast. Go Big Red. Hood at Media Production.